when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. So that happened. This week, hard on the heels of the Ferguson grand jury decision, a grand jury in New York City returns no indictment on the police officer who choked Eric Garner to death on the streets of Staten Island. Can the cops be stopped before they kill again? Meanwhile, America's first brush with an Ebola outbreak has been resolved, but President Barack Obama wants to do more to prevent the next one. Will Congress come through on this? And finally, we would like to introduce to you a new word to your political lexicon, cromnibus. We're going to tell you what a cromnibus is and how this cromnibus could end up totally screwing up your life. I'm Jason Lincolns, joined today by the Huffington Post's Zach Carter and Arthur Delaney, Here's what happened first. Okay, um, let me let me just put a provocative idea out there, and I'll freely admit it that that I'm borrowing this from some dude on Twitter who my friend Amanda pointed me to last night. In the past few weeks, we have seen fewer executions from our good friends of the Islamic State, and more executions at the hands of those are supposed to serve and protect us. I'm talking about American police. So like, why aren't we like rolling up on, 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 on these renegade cops with the full force of, you know, NATO? Wow. That is, that is a provocative idea. Well, I mean, it's true though. You said it would be provocative. (laughs) I mean, you were right. Do you know, do you know all this, all the shit that got motivated the moment they, they chopped uh, uh, that journalist's head off and like, Nevertheless, we've seen like a guy die in a chokehold. We've been through all the bullshit in Ferguson. Now there's this kid, Tamir Rice, in Cleveland, who was, you know, cop just like rolled up, got out of his car, and shot him. Twelve year old, twelve year old kid. Like, so what? So how come we don't? Where's the motivation? Where's the similar motivation? Well, there's still the the law and order element to this. Yeah, I, I guess that, that kind of falls apart immediately because the Islamic <laughs> State was like, well, we're just doing Islamic law, so what's the point? Uh, it looks real bad. There's a genre of story where they're like, how uh, we would write about America if it were a foreign country, and they talk about like the rest of prov- province of St. Louis, Missouri, uh, and things of that nature. It's uh, it looks it's, it's bad. It's bad. I, I do think from, from a foreign policy perspective, this the, the, the Eric Garner case, the Ferguson case, um, and, and now it's the Tamir Rice case. It is very difficult to make the case if you were the United States moving to other countries and saying, hey, Russia, China, whoever, you guys got to really clean up your act with your human rights abuses. <laughs> right. When, uh, when it clearly right here at home, we've had, we've ha- and we've really had, particularly what's, what's really frightening about, about white cops killing black men with impunity is that that is, that is like not a new problem for the United States. I mean, if you want to tell the history of the United States, one way to do it is to talk about hundreds of years of racial oppression and you know starting starting with the slave trade but clearly that that legacy is not over and 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 everybody knows it i mean when when we when we go around talking about human rights in the rest of the world 
they know that, and they they they're going to point to things like this and, and tell us, no, we want to be able to continue oppressing whatever little faction we have in our country. Um, and you guys do the same thing, so don't pretend to be to be high and mighty with us. And I think that's terrible. Yeah, it is. So the president came out and spoke last week and talked about, well, we're doing solutions to this right now, and that's key to the story of how we're getting better as a country. One of the solutions is putting cameras on police officers, and the White House says they want to unload $75 million, put 50,000 cameras on police across the country. And then the Eric Garner case happens. It is revealed that there will be no indictment from a grand jury, and everyone says, well, how do you like your police body cameras now? Because that police killing was vividly videotaped. Everyone saw exactly what happened and it didn't make a difference in terms of justice. But I think people making that point are just wrong. I think it's a really dumb point. The police weren't wearing body cameras. Yes, they were on video, uh, but the whole point of body cameras, the whole reason that they were uh, so beneficial in this California department that used them and, and studied the results is that the police officers wearing them become newly self-conscious about what they're doing. And sure, maybe they realized somebody was filming them on Staten Island when they killed Eric Garner, but I don't They did think... realize that. The guy... Well, some, at least some of them realized. Did the, right. did the guy who did the chokehold realize it? Yeah. Okay, but... Well, uh, no, actually, I don't know. I, I, think, there's, uh, I think there's a, a whole other level of self-consciousness that you get from knowing you have a camera on your person. That uh, so I so I don't think it's a strong I, counterpoint to the body camera. I don't think party. you could say I don't think you you sell body cameras as like a panacea, you know, or no, you don't you don't sell right. it as a thing. Oh, this is gonna take care of everything. It's just you you hope that it adds one more l- layer of of restraint. Um, I mean, look look at the look at the public reaction to this though. I mean, the, and that's the, the, the fueled public, by the fact there was a camera. The fact that the public knows that this is what happened and that 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 footage is available that it makes a huge difference, even if it did not lead to an, an indictment. indictment and a conviction. Yes. And we will see. I mean, it, it is. They, I mean, Eric Holder immediately announced a federal investigation in, into into the, the Garner case, uh, and and it, it may end up being that's a much easier thing. For uh, for the feds to do in that type of case, when there's clear video evidence that this man was choked to death by by a police officer, and that I mean it's clearly what happened on the tape. You can see it happening, and I, I think I, you know you're not going to get every, every, you know no one solution is going to solve 400 years of oppression. It's not it's not going to happen with a gadget, right? We're not going to we're not going to techno innovate our way out of structural racism. No, it, that's right, and we're not going to techno innovate our way out of this problem of like cops being unable to show restraint. You know, I've read I've, this this year. I had the opportunity to read Radley Balco's book, Rise of the Warrior Cop, and I also read Goldman and Puzo's book on the New York Police Department turning themselves into Keystone counter terrorists over the past few years. And and one of the things that's interesting is that Radley points this out all the time is that is that there are all the there's this new tradition of like these militarized cops that that in, in small towns that uh, that develop like SWAT teams yeah. they're super militarized and when they go to make arrests they ride out in their gear and they roll up on houses and they break down doors and no knock raids and, and they and this is all in the pursuit of like panty anti drug guys. And the thing I would point out is that penny anti drug guys, like just about every other human being in the world, they gotta wipe their asses. So every once in a while, they gotta leave their home and go get some toilet paper down at the Walgreens, and that's when you can pick these guys up. And you see Eric Garner. What was he accused of? He was accused of what, selling Lucy's on the street. 
Okay, there's no reason that you need to put a guy in a chokehold for that. In fact, there's you can let that dude if you can't like corral him and arrest him right then and there, you can actually let that dude walk away. You can let that guy quote unquote get away. Okay, Eric Garner, to the extent that he's involved in criminal activity, he's not some criminal mastermind. He doesn't have a network of safe houses to go to. You know, I saw him. I got a description of him. I ID'd him. We'll pick him up down the line. They yeah. they, they've arrested him twenty of times. Confrontation, confrontation on the street. You know, this guy's not going to go to ground and, like, lamb it. And even if it does, great. So there's there's one less guy selling Lucy's on the streets of New York. It's just a complete bullshit. There, there is a mentality among some police officers that you could you see vividly every year here in D.C. during police week when officers, uh, you know, the Fraternal Order of Police, they all gather and there's, you know, events honoring uh, officers who died and things like that. But they all get really drunk at the bars around the Capitol, and they're wearing T-shirts uh, that say stuff like, you know, you breed them, we beat them. Uh, the difference between a cop and a soldier is that a, a cop's in a war that never ends. They have a warrior mentality, God, some of these guys. Soldiers. Okay. Soldiers, yeah. soldiers took a look yeah. at like a lot of what the cops at Ferguson were doing their gear, and they were, they were appalled. Yeah. Appalled by the lack oh, of I'm professionalism. Just, but this is, this is the kind of uh, thinking that is prevalent among some like a, at least a sizable minority of police officers. And it's great that there is finally beginning to be a reckoning with that. It is something. And I, I do think, uh, you know, to the extent that there's anything good about the Eric Garner case is that everybody who was defending Darren Wilson in, uh, in, in Ferguson and saying, this is, this is not a race problem. We don't have a, we don't have a racism problem. It, it's really hard to look at the Eric Garner case and say, it, it, particularly combined with all these other cases, the Tamir Rice case, the Michael Brown case and say, well, we, well, we, we don't have a real problem here. Yeah. To me, Rice getting but shot. Yeah, con- right. conser- the conservatives like on Twitter, yeah. uh, you know, vocal uh, commentators who thought the Darren Wilson outrage was total BS are as outraged as everyone else about the Eric Garner case. I was actually surprised by that. I was a little bit too, but I mean. You- but it's, it's really something. I think that is the power, a testament to the power of video uh, and another reason to. Well, I mean, video. to be honest with you, it's also there's no, there's no uh, duck blind hide in there. I mean, the, 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 <laughs> the, you, can, you, can, you can see a little bit why Darren Wilson kind of skated because ultimately there was no video footage. You're up to, you're relying on, on witness testimony. And yeah, yeah, witness testimony, not, not the most reliable thing in the world. Memory is the most reliable thing in the world. But like, there's no duck blind to hide in when you see what happened to Eric Gardner. There's no shade of gray you can point to. You know, if you if you think that what happened went down, you know, according to Hoyle, you're just a fucking idiot. <laughs> so anyone who anyone, you know, it's it's like a situation where, like, you could be a fucking asshole when you're talking about the Darren Wilson case. The Eric Gardner case doesn't give you the opportunity to be, a, you know, to, to front like a dipshit. I so, wonder how different they really would have looked. Uh, you know, the, the witness reaction on, on video to the Gardner strangling was like, oh, man, he you know, he wasn't doing anything. There's video of witnesses after the uh, the Michael Brown shooting saying the same thing, uh, which suggested to me that you know it, it was something like that. There was maybe an awkward scuffle, uh, but clearly the use of force was excessive. Yeah. Stop killing people. Yeah, please stop killing people for like a week. So 
I can't believe this because it seems to be, and I know I'm wrong. I know I'm wrong. It seems to me we're always talking about this topic, but we're going to talk about mm-hmm. Ebola again. Yes. It just seems Love like we're Ebola. always, it seems like we, 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 we started like a sort of like political podcast and it's like really an Ebola podcast. I actually, I actually started listening to a, uh, a lecture series on the history of epidemics and infectious diseases. We were talking about it so much. I, I wanted to be able to draw parallels oh, to like lecture, smallpox. I'll let you listen to the professor. Well, that's here. good. Get nerdy. <laughs> yeah, it's good. It's the, good. You don't want to get smallpox. Why are, let me tell you that. Why that's, are we talking about Ebola today? Uh, I think we need to remind ourselves that if, if we would transport back to when we were first talking about it, it was a time of panic. Yeah, and we, and people, if you ask people then what would be happening now, some people were like, "We'll all be dead." Yeah, right. Ebola will spread into the population. The entire East Coast will have just and like, perished. Thanks directly to Obama. Uh, but what has happened is thanks to Obama. Pre- president, thanks to Obama, who shook hands with people who you know other political leaders were locking up in tents and disallowing from conferences in their state. There's no Ebola in the United States at this time. You're Ebola-less. Except for, you know, the the inevitable random cases that could pop up. It just went away. The government's response was good. The president's symbolic actions were were, were, were powerful. Yeah. Uh, and, and now, this effort by the Obama administration, he could be a victim of his own success. Because they're trying to get Ebola money out of Congress. A member of Congress... Who themselves might have been acting all panicky will now be like, what Ebola? Yeah. Well, I now, why Con- do we have to spend more money on Ebola? The only reason Congress was at all interested in, in Ebola in the first place was because of the midterm election, because it was an issue they could talk about as far as an election issue goes. I don't think they were actually ever- – I think they would have uh, been fired was- up about it absent an election. Do you think they were sincerely interested in like c- curing the Ebola outbreak in West Africa like there was anyone? Because, no, no. Because months before, the, months before what we'll call an outbreak happened in America – um, the the head of the CDC, whose name I cannot recall, um, uh, Freeland. Tom Frieden. Okay, Tom Frieden was 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 in a, a hearing uh, before I think the House, um, some House committee. Sorry, I don't remember which one. Um, and Science he mentioned, committee? and they were asking him, uh, they were asking a bunch, of, peppering a bunch of questions about some other issue, and he said, well, um, you know, one of the things we're focused on right now as an organization is to stem the tide of this Ebola outbreak in West Africa. And this is, again, months before right. the guy showed up in Texas. And, like, the the announcement to Congress that there was a major Ebola outbreak in West Africa, in one ear, out the, out the fucking other. No well, one heard it, and it, it, it no one remarked in that hearing, wait, there's an Ebola outbreak in West Africa? Yeah. We should get on that. They didn't who, get on it. Who no. could have known? Who could have known that a massive outbreak of an infectious disease would spread. Who could have known? Besides every <laughs> in, every epidemiologist that ever walked the face of the fucking earth. So so this week the president made uh, a pretty big speech over at the NIH, uh, trying to get Congress to unleash these six billion dollars he wants to bolster our our domestic ability to deal with it, you know, at hospitals, and also to have money in reserve for future crises should they arise, and to bolster our, the the international response. And he said something during the speech. He said, this speaks to our character as a nation. When something's going wrong in the world, do we try to help or do we stand 10 feet away? And I think when he said this 10 feet away part, he was really reminding people how he had had 
close uh, potential, yeah, close contact with workers who had been potentially exposed to the disease, and he was right to do that, and it was correct to embrace these healthcare workers, and that we should continue to do what we have done in, in encouraging them to go to West Africa and fight, because there's still an outbreak raging there. We're, we've got 6,000 people dead as of this week, finally crossed the 6,000 mark, so it's not slowing down, even though you may have heard in Liberia and, and Sierra Leone, it has slowed down, but it's gonna, you know, we're gonna have more cases, so hopefully... Maybe thanks partly to no more election. Maybe thanks to our experience with the first wave of you know scattered cases, we'll be do better next time. But it'll be a, a, a real test. Will we listen to Obama, or is Bobby Jindal going to get back on his podium and do the same kind of grandstanding, totally contrary to all scientific and public health expert advice, uh, and, and get away with it like he did this first time? Bobby Jindal, I'll remind everyone, uh, actually has a degree in healthcare policy from Oxford or Cambridge. The dude is like he's fronts he, as a he's scientist. He's like bulking up, like physically trying to gain weight so that he can run for president. He's, it's like you don't have to do that if you're mm. going to win an election. Like this is not. I, I, it, I think it there's no better the, state in America to do that in there than Louisiana. We can at least admit that. I, I, Georgia. <laughs> I, th- I, th- well, I think I honestly think it kind of speaks to the superficiality of, of Bobby Jindal. He, everything he does lately, it seems to be so politically transparent. Oh yeah, I mean, his, he, his, the his, dude like, is like a doctor, and he's telling you not to listen to doctors. It's yeah, it's insane. I mean, come on, his in, his preposterous like defense of the Duck Dynasty people, as if there's like a giant assault on on organized religion coming from the Obama <laughs> administration because Duck Dynasty like said some some dude said some really nasty stuff, right? <laughs> When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Watch Duck Dynasty, actually. Turns out not like, not like, like I was caught up. I was caught up in that. It was like, wait, something political happened with Duck Dynasty? I thought that was like a weird show on reality television. Um, and, and to be honest, we've we've broken the pledge just now. I know we've, we've screwed because up. we promised we promised uh, uh, Josh Zepps long ago, our Australian friend, our Australian HuffPost Live. Live host, that we would we would not pronounce the word dynasty this way. What does he say? Of, like dynasty? Dynasty? Yeah. yeah. Uh, D- dynasty. He was like, he was like <laughs> say what's it with D- dynasty? And we were like dynasty, and he was like, yeah, oh, sorry, dynasty. And we, we promised him that we would say duck you dynasty guys. <laughs> because we British. thought it would piss off the duck dynasty people, and we were just like, ah, eh, they seem like fun people to have pissed off at us. Yeah. Cool. 
You know what's going to happen? Uh, there are going to be a lot of stories in political cartoons about Bobby Jindal gaining weight and Chris Christie losing weight. Ugh. It's gonna, it's gonna be uh, like uh, we're gonna no. like. Uh, oh, if if only Jay Leno would be around, <laughs> he would make all the jokes. Tomorrow's uh. hack jokes today. <laughs> yeah, um, this is a, a Delaney prediction that the. Uh, Weight gain and yeah. loss will be like the biggest story of the Republican. Well, primary. you know, while we're on the Jindal Jack, I'll say that the one thing he's done in the past two years that wasn't sort of like transparently related to like creating an ersatz presidential profile was he he attempted to uh, uh, d- you know eliminate the uh, the state income tax in Louisiana, yeah. and uh, it failed with everyone from. Both sides of the aisle, because everyone recognized it as like a looming fiscal disaster to do what he was suggesting. No, he, he, he was also going to raise the sales tax. Yes, right? he's so going to raise the sales tax. He's effectively to, raising taxes on poor people yeah, to cut taxes on on property owners. That that yeah, is just pretty, an amazingly hot policy strategy right now. That's the the whole that's the tax what they, extenders you hear about in Congress. Yeah, We're, they're they're right now passing all these big tax breaks for businesses to keep them going. Mm. And people are upset because they are not also passing her recent custom tax breaks for individuals known as the earned income tax credit, the child tax credit, tax credits for poor people. Yeah, people, poor people with kids, basically. Those aren't. I mean, one yeah. thing that gets lost: those aren't about to expire. Those expire in a couple of years. But still, well, the idea. Is that, but uh, the, you know, one of the one of the, the packages they were just discussing was one that would make some of these corporate tax breaks that they renew every year or two anyway, just make some of them permanent, so they don't have to renew them all the time. They would have to pass a law to repeal it or something. And it, as part of that package, they were deliberately not including the earned income tax credit and child cre- tax credit stuff that expires in you know, in a couple of years. So there's no looming crisis on those things, but. You know, that is why how not? you shiv something. That is why the the anti food stamp caucus within the House Republicans was so desperate to separate food stamps from ag subsidies last year, yeah. and they and they almost did it, but ultimately failed because they are not you know because there are two chambers in Congress, not just one. I just like to point out we started this conversation trying to talk about Ebola. Well, listen, there's no Ebola right now, so we uh, in America. Yeah, right, it, it right. took a uh, distressingly short amount of time to recap the uh, Ebola crisis as it stands right now. But I don't think it was a bad idea because I do think there there is going to be another test of our Ebola preparedness. It will be like the one that we just had in that it's small, and the one ongoing in Africa remains large, but. Uh, we got to be on our toes. We're on our toes in the media, and we want to know if the politics is on its toes. I don't think it's going to be, but it would be nice. I, I, I bet it's a, it's a big mess when it happens again. They'll find some way to stoke the, the, the outrage crazy. I mean, remember, there, there were conspiracy theories that the, the number of Ebola cases was being systematically like crushed by the Obama administration's PR minions to prevent the public from knowing the sheer scale of the Ebola catastrophe that had already infected all of America. Yeah, and there's a lot of conspiracy. <laughs> I just bonkers. I just want to point out that I have Ebola right now. Obama. Well, as, lo- as long as you don't have symptoms, you know, it's fine for us to be in here. Yeah. Okay. I'll cool. even give you a hug. I just gotta. I gotta go to the bathroom. That's so nice. <laughs> I got. I'll see you later. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so we're going to talk about a new word today. Uh, it's new to me anyway. Maybe it's not new to you, but the word is 
Cromnibus. Yes. Cromnibus. Cromnibus. Now this is a now, this is an omnibus that's baked inside a croissant. Well, what's right? a, what's an omnibus? First of all, a spending bill. Yes, it's a spending bill Government baked inside. Money. Wait, so what is it? So if it's, it's what, a, what shape is it in? Is it's it, a cronut omnibus. No, no, it's it's not a, an omnibus mm-hmm. in the shape of a cronut. It's an omnibus in the shape of a government shutdown. Ooh. Burn. Oh. Sick. Sounds like All right. So here, here's right. what Explain it really is. Explain what that means, oh, Arthur. Tell it's us crazy. about the Cromnibus. It's an omnibus spending bill. Totally normal thing. Actually, more normal than a CR, which, uh, which is what we've had for the past while. The om- is it the, the omnibus where we have we passed the defund acorn? Every year, well, we do that. We, I think that everywhere. <laughs> yeah, we do that all the time. Anyway, the omnibus contains eleven appropriations bills that committee chairmen in the House and Senate agreed. This is how much we're going to fund this agency of the government. Contrary to a CR, where you just fund, you just let the government coast at wherever it's at. So the omnibus excludes one agency. This omnibus that that they're considering voting on the Department of Homeland Security. In that, they will let coast for a short time. The omnibus is for a year. The CR is going to be just until the spring or maybe even February. Now, why is it the Department of Homeland Security they are not willing to fund like all other agencies? This is how the Republicans will attack the president for his immigration executive order. Oh. Oh, yeah. This is how how they're going to get at the amnesty, because they will have a House and a Senate majority, and they will. They're like, we're going to let this coast. You know, we're not going to fight with you now, Obama, but we're going to come back with our buddies and get you in the spring. So everything else gets funded, but in March or whatever, DHS is on this shorter leash. Now, this is actually just the plan that Republican leaders have. This is what they hope happens. This is what John Boehner has cooked up. It's like one of John Boehner's like steam steam valve release moves. Exactly. It's but, just like uh, all, it's all this angry, got to like let it out. Exactly. In a and productive the, way. You know, the funny thing about this move, which we have seen before, mm-hmm. is that it does not work. It never works. Because even though the, the, the extreme right Republicans in the House are considered nutty and maybe, you know, not not that interested in responsible government, they can see straight through this transparent gambit of the speakers. What we have also is Ted Cruz, the senator from Texas, senator doing from just government shutdown 2013. Yes, <laughs> reprising his role uh, and, and agitating individual House Republicans to, to whip them up to vote against this strategy. And he only needs to do, uh, to get about 30 of them. As of this week, he had at least 12. Tortilla Coast 2, the cruise returns. So this is exactly (laughs) what happened in the government shutdown. You've got House Republicans like Raul Labrador saying, well, we had a government shutdown, and we were rewarded with our biggest majority since 1922. Right, exactly. So why are we supposed to be all scared of a government shutdown? It is such a real (coughs) and exciting possibility at this point. It's amazing to me because when we did this in in 2013, I thought, 
you know, this is kind of fun to cover as a reporter because it's very silly. I mean, how how they're really going to shut down it's the like government? Christmas. It's, it's, not, it's yeah. nothing. It's also like free traffic. It's great. Um, so thank you, uh, Tea Party. Free, free web Congress. traffic. Yeah. The building here, mm-hmm. because we work with so many people who are we're working in the same building with so many people who work for the Department of Treasury. Yeah. Like when they go home, it's easy to get on the elevators. We get up right. and down. Oh, nothing's the worse than those uh, one, two, three floors. Yeah, stars. yeah. I hate yeah. that. But the, uh, the the really amazing thing, I mean, at that point in time, uh, kind of where we are now, shaping up towards the, you know the shutdown deadline. I was like, yeah, it's really fun to cover. There's no way they're actually going to shut the government down. I mean, it's right. such a dumb strategy. That's what they, we thought they, last they, year. Yeah. And I and I was totally wrong. I was just wrong. Yeah. Uh, and so I'm still skeptical they're actually going to shut it down. Well, but are we going to be wrong again? But they're going to shut it down again. I have a track record of being wrong on this. So. You know, it gets hurt when the government shut down. We joke about, like, there not being people in the building. But, like, our good friends down at Taylor Gourmet serving up delicious sandwiches. There's no sponsorship deal with us and Taylor. That's just me being honest. They're great. We should probably, but like, you know, I talked to those guys during the government shutdown. I was like, "How? What's it been like?" And they'd be like, "No business." No that, business. That, there's your microcosm for why, while Republicans see no political harm to a government shutdown, it's not a great thing. It does cause harm. I mean, remember the national, national parks? parks? Yeah, it hurts all the people who work for the government who who lose money and then don't spend it, and it hurts everyone. Uh, to whom they would have given that money in exchange for goods and services. It's not a good thing. And that's not just in Washington. I mean, the national parks. I mean, like, you know, st- stuff all over the country gets affected by this, as it did last time. And and you saw... Oh, that was a melodrama. It, remember, remember the... Open this park! Yeah. <laughs> when, when, since when are you interested in a fucking park? Well, they, well they, they had put... You know, they did go out of their way to put these little barricades in front of all the parks. Well, they were they closed. I, ho- I hope if it shuts down, they don't, we don't replay that. I, I thought it was. They in. were closed. You just shut off the. Let's water. just let the people run roughshod over the parks. Yes, if you're going to awesome. shut the government, yeah, we should be have, a free let's for have, all. Let's have people peeing in the Lincoln Memorial. Great idea. Yeah, so how totally. how I don't think wait t- you can't pee in the Lincoln Memorial. That's my point. If you don't put the barricades up, then people are going to you know, whatever sleep in the Lincoln Memorial, pee on it, stuff like that. It is. Well, a, Zach, yeah. do you, you think outdoors. it's not going to happen? Tell me what's different this time about a government shutdown scenario because we have all the ingredients. And it's is is the temperature right? Uh, yeah, it is totally the oven is. preheated? Everything's perfect. <laughs> I, was, I also, was imagining soup too. <laughs> also, the 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 sort of you know it's getting close to uh, to, to the, the 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 Christmas break for uh, for lawmakers, so they're probably feeling a little bit giddy, a little bit excited about going home to their families. Let's why not go out with a bang and just shut things down and have have a good time at Christmas? Well, here like, here is one I, reason it may be less likely. They know and are in, eagerly anticipating their control of both chambers of Congress. So they're like, why, why rock the boat and spoil our fun? <laughs> we just well, won this thing. Let's shut it down. I mean, it's just so dumb. I, I agree. Like, they, they would be, their first act of governing since winning the election would be to shut down the government. That would, that would look so bad, and it would take them years to recover from it. Uh, you know, they're not, uh, they're electorally? Not gonna... No, it wouldn't. Mm-hmm. No, I, it wouldn't I, I mean, Labrador is correct. Yeah, they bounce right back. You're not going to get an Obamacare.com. Labrador is is correct in a sense, but he's wrong broadly. Uh, Labrador's argument is that is that the Republicans' success in the election is is tied to the fact that they shut down the government. He thinks that like voters came out because they're like, yeah, we want more of that. The fact of the matter is is that they actually had, there was enough time between the government shutdown. And the election for voters to forget that happened. And you know what else? It was a midterm. 
It was a midterm. It, it was the election they, that was heavily just basic, favors They ran better candidates, blah, blah, blah. Well, and, and the Obama administration like completely shot itself in the foot repeatedly uh, over the course of that year, most notably immediately after the government shutdown, having the healthcare.gov rollout be a completely yeah, un, yeah. Un, like, unforced error. Yeah. Um, like the, the, the notion – Oh, how to explain how – that changes the situation this year versus last year. Well, I don't think you're going to get a freebie from the Obama administration every three months. I, I don't. I don't think you know the healthcare.gov rollout is is sort of like a once in a presidency kind of kind of gaffe. So uh, there's more. There will be more focus on what Republicans are doing. Right, and they're, they're because they will control both the Senate and the House. The fact yeah. that they they came back and the, their first order of business was shutting down the government. Those campaign ads will be running like crazy in 2016. Mitch McConnell, no remember all the ads Mitch McConnell ran. About like being a deal maker, he's gonna get stuff done, and like he's gonna end up, you know, possibly presiding over something like this. And he, he is one of the Republicans who has absolutely disavowed that this is something we, that will. Sure, happen. sure, sure. But they're still it's still gonna cut him in the ass. They, they disavowed it last time too. But yeah. also, also remember, it, it doesn't make sense when if you if you add that up with his prior rhetoric that he said, you know, behind closed doors to Koch brothers and other other big GOP donors. Um, you know, he, he said we're going to use our power over the budget to, you know, to, to try and force the president to do things that he doesn't want to do, and he can't do that. I mean, he can he can write a budget bill and Obama can veto it, and when that happens, the government gets shut down. So he is saying I'm going to I'm going to play chicken with a shutdown with the president. He's he's also telling the public I'm against shutdowns. So the, the the strategy here is to play chicken, maybe not with the debt ceiling this time around, but certainly with a shutdown. Oh God, let's hope. When is the debt ceiling? When's the next debt ceiling? Uh, it's next year. Yeah, it's gonna be, and that's and that, there will be people saying that it's good to default on our debt again, and that's wrong. Yeah, that's yeah, that's stupid. That's part. I mean, that that like bred in a lot of people the notion that like not only would it be okay, some people actually think it'd be good for us to breach a debt ceiling. It's really that that, that talk is really dangerous. Not um, because because even even if we don't breach the debt ceiling, even if we don't default on our debt, like. People, people don't have like a good grasp of what money is and how it works. And one of the reasons the United States gets to live the way it does and people have the like, you know, level of prosperity in, in society that we have is because people take our currency really seriously. People don't think we're going to default on our debt. They think our political system is legitimate enough that they, they can buy things in dollar-denominated assets and that's going to be safe. We have a stable political economy. And when you start threatening to just default on your debt for no reason, people can see, even if you don't have a technical default, the political system is unstable. Uh, that the political system backing up this currency is unreliable, and it and it, it has an effect. And the more times you do it, the worse it gets. So there there are there are real real signaling problems with the global economy with doing that again. Another difference, real quick, between this shutdown season and the last one is that there there have not been the hard lines drawn by the Obama administration. Remember when they were saying we will not negotiate over this or that, but they, I don't I haven't seen them say stuff like that yet. That's true. They they don't prefer this idea of doing a cromnibus, an omnibus, and a CR, but they're like, you know what, you know, we'll we'll live with it. And Harry Reid has also said, well, I think getting eleven appropriations bills passed is great. Yeah, yeah, sure. It's just just one short. So, okay. And what are they really going to defund DHS? Like, but the the feasibility of Democrats agreeing to this is not part of the, the Cruz equation. I mean, he's doing whatever is good for the Cruz. So where's the barometer right now? What's the chance of a government shutdown? I'm, I'm ballpark it for us. Arthur Delaney personally putting it at fifty. I know that's not very satisfying. It's, it's super kind of, unsatisfying. It's kind of a cop. It's like the least satisfying answer. All right, you know what? You know what? Eighty <laughs> percent shutdown. All right, yeah. <laughs> this sucker's going down. <laughs> <laughs> 
So that's what happened this week. This podcast was produced and edited by Ibrahim Balki with technical direction from Brad Shannon and assistance from Christine Canetta, Chris Gentleviso, and Adriana Ucero. I'm Jason Lincolns. This week we had our usual troubadours, HuffPost senior politics reporters Zach Carter and Arthur Delaney. So That Happened is now available on iTunes. Please check us out in the iTunes store for the Huffington Post's whole family of podcasts. Subscribe and tell your friends. If there's something you'd like to hear us talk about, send an email to so that happened at HuffingtonPost.com. As always, thanks for listening, and we miss you already. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.